was there anything that did not work about this movie? How dare you ask me that? (laughs) (laughs) Hi, everyone, and welcome to the episode of Center Nation. My name is Brandon Sparks. And I'm Thomas Horton. And with each month, we're now delving into a specific genre of film or really storytelling in a way, because we talk about a lot of stuff on here. And for the month of May, we're talking about Texas movies. And if you heard our last podcast, we kind of give you an overview of the Texas genre. And then for this episode, the next episode, we're kind of delving into a specific example of the Texas genre. And so the last episode, we kind of, we established the tropes and the stories of the Texas genre. And, and, and Thomas, what were the tropes we kind of talked about that kind of encompass a, a Texas movie. Uh, well, we had like kind of being trapped, like this feeling of being trapped and, and wanting to get out of, you know, of Texas, of your small town, of your life, that sort of thing. Um, we talked about land, how closely tied people are to the land, to your family land or to your, you know, your ranch or whatever, kind of taking pride in, in owning land. See what else we talked about heists. We talked about outlaws and uh, <laughs> Outlaw. outlaws and lawmen. Family conflict is another thing, which not it's not really present in this movie. But the thing about some of these Texas movies, I'm finding out this happened with Bottle Rocket, where it's like they're not really family, but they're kind of these like makeshift families in a way. Mm-hmm. With this movie we're doing today, it has a similar quality. The movie we're doing today is Peter Bogdanovich's The Last Picture Show. Currently streaming on Criterion and Crackle if you want to go watch it uh, before you listen to this episode. Can you give us a brief rundown of The Last Picture Show, just the summary of it? Yeah, so it's based on, it's based on an owl by Larry McMurtry, who we talked about uh, talked about last week as kind of the MVP of, of Texas-based storytelling of the, um, of the 20th century. Um, it's, a, it's a book, I believe it was published in the early 60s, um, I think it's like 60s. I think it's like 60s. Yeah, 60. Okay, late 60s. Um, and was kind of written off as being kind of smut when it first came out because it's it's about uh, the. I mean, it's about a lot of things, but part it's a coming of age story and kind of about the sexually the sexual awakening of three uh, high school seniors, Sonny, uh, Dwayne, and then JC. And in the beginning of the story, Dwayne and JC are dating, and Sonny is Dwayne's best friend. They like kind of like we were talking about a, a adopted family there. Um, yeah. They have both kind of emancipated themselves and are living out of a shared uh, room in a boarding house. And they, um, they work together. They share a truck. So, I mean, they're, it's their brothers for all. Is that in, is that in the movie? Or they is that they in the talk book? about it very briefly. Someone has a line about okay. like, I don't like you guys living in that boarding house, but um, they don't okay. ever really like, that... show their Yeah. You haven't catch that. Yeah, okay. But um uh uh Sonny's dad is was the town um pharmacist but got um hooked on his own was was taking drugs and got hooked on them and lost his pharmacy and is broke and they don't really talk anymore. Um yeah, and so it's about kind of them exploring in their in their kind of their summer before uh after high school graduation, them exploring uh adulthood and and their sexuality and and jc um all all three of them having these kind of different sexual awakenings that all coincide with each other um but i think i think more than that it's it's a picture of a town at a at a very at a turning point um in the 50s and uh and it's a very poor small town in texas and and you're you're getting on the the real boom of oil kind of kind of what we saw in giant as well 
when when oil is really taking over and everyone in town is either rich off of oil or is poor working on in the oil fields basically it feels kind of like this specific moment in time it's the it's the dying of of a town mm. like that's what when, when when watching some of the behind the scenes stuff and hearing people talk about it, it's like it's very much like the death of this small town and in a way i think kind of the rebirth with oil coming in you're on the eve of the korean war and you're just a, you're also at a, weirdly at an eve of when culture culture is changing in america but weirdly in these small towns it's kind of just like somewhat staying the same mm-hmm. the big the big thing and we'll talk we'll discuss it is kind of the is the movie theater is kind of the you used as like the changing of the times that was i think the big uh scandal when this book came out was it was it was the 60s and it was the sexual revolution and and everything had gotten much more liberal and larry mcmurtry published this book that was like hey 10 years ago uh er, you know everyone was like oh in the 50s things weren't wasn't weren't like this everything was pure and we were all innocent and larry mcmurtry published this book that was like yeah 10 years ago, all the teenagers were driving out and, and fooling around in their trucks. And, and I mean, it, teenagers have always been teenagers. We just didn't know about it as much. And and that was that uh, that ruffled a lot of feathers, I think, when the book first came out. Yeah, a line that I wanted to bring up early, because I think when we discuss this, it'll it'll make sense. I was reading a couple of Roger Ebert has done two reviews in this movie, one when it initially came out and then one for his great movies series. And there's a line he says uh, about one in the great movies review explaining it. He goes, it's an evocation of mood is about a town with no reason to exist and people with no reason to live there. The only hope is in transgression. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when that line in mind, when you watch this movie, a lot of the characters, except maybe like Sam, the lion, kind of fall into that and also we talked about kind of the three main kind of teen characters but what's weird is that or not what's weird but what they're set against is kind of this ensemble of adult characters that are kind of like future versions of what they could be if they stay in this small town and those characters are sam sam the lion who's played by ben johnson and sam kind of own he owns the movie theater the pool hall and the cafe basically the only three places in town to go to if you're a teen and at one point the teens get ba- or the the guys get banned from all these places and it's like well well what do we do mm-hmm. there's nothing to do in this town now um and then you have ruth popper played by cloris leachman who is this kind of is this uh early to mid 40s housewife her and her husband are in a troubled marriage what it's kind of alluded to in the movie i don't know if it's alluded to in the book is that her husband's gay uh, very heavily alluded to in the, in the <laughs> book yes and okay yeah there's a there's a subplot where the the coach accuses the um their english teacher who's shown very briefly in the movie of of being gay and he ends up like run out of town and that's when ruth finally like stands up for herself as she like yells at him for ruining that man's life when he when she knows that he is also gay and the other character was Genevieve, who's the the cafe waitress, and played by uh, Eileen Brennan, who's who's again kind of this like I think there's a scene where she talks about like I think the person she was with it's not her hu- I don't know if it's her husband or uh, but basically it's like they were offered the oil rig first mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's her husband yeah and he turned it down because he never took a chance in his life and then Ellen Burstyn's husband uh, she plays Louis Lois Farrow 
and her husband is now rich in the oil for the oil fields or whatever. And so now, because her husband didn't take it, Genevieve's, she's a waitress, and he, I think, has health issues, and she's the one basically taking care of him. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of your main your main cast. Or the, and also Billy, who is played by Timothy Bottoms' uh, younger brother, Sam Bottoms. Yeah, the the, the actor, uh, Timothy Bottoms plays Sonny Crawford, Jeff Bridges plays Dwayne Jackson, Sybil Shepard plays uh, J.C. Farrow. So... Thomas, is this in your top 10 favorite films of all time? For sure. Yeah, 100%. I think, um, and and I told, I, I my girlfriend watched it for the first time when we were rewatching it this weekend. And I said, I, I, I can't think of another film that captures like small town life in the way this one does. And so then we were watching it. And like you were saying, it's very transgressive. She was like, is that what small town life was like? And I was like, no, not, not that specifically, but like just the, the general feeling of it and, and, and of growing up inside it and 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 being you know almost every young person that grows up in a small town wants to get out but you're you're surrounded by adults who did not or have chosen to stay and and so it's a, there's always this just kind of bumping of um of people and, and everyone's got different points of view about the town in itself and um all of that is, is i think is done so wonderfully here and i think just because the bogdanovich allows the movie to just kind of sit like you're you're in this town. You're not driving towards anything plot-wise. You're just sitting in this town and experiencing it with everyone else. And I, I think it's the 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 only film that that are the best film at capturing that of any movie that has tried to capture like small town. Yeah, I I agree. It's it's just it. You kind of get to see all the the variations of characters that are there. Like it's like you have Ellen Burstyn's character who is someone who wishes she got out and regrets that she stayed in this town for so long. And weirdly, what I thought interesting in the first scene is that the roles are kind of reversed is that she wants her daughter, JC to get out of town, explore the world, do something else. And Jace's like, no, I just want to stay here, go to the college nearby and get married. And she's like, no, what are you doing? Do not stay here. And it's just, it's weird. Cause usually it's the, the parent who's saying, oh, stay here and have a good life. And the kid's like, no, let me get out of this town. I want to escape it. And it's the opposite. I, which is, and I love Lois is my favorite character in, in the book and in, and in the movie as well. And I think you and Ellen Burstyn plays it wonderfully. But, yeah, you have this initial scene where, where Lois, who has always regretted not getting out and, and can see beyond there's you can split the characters up in this movie by who can see like beyond the town and who can't see past yeah. the, the 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 town limits and there's very few people who can see beyond the town and beyond the the drama um and and she's one of them and and you there you have this scene early on where jc is very much about the town she's the homecoming queen she's dating the quarterback and she just wants to get married and stay in town and and lois has this scene where she's just goes in and she's like you you need to you need to have some adventure you need to get out of here and and do something for yourself and and for the rest of the movie you kind of see lois realize that she's almost like created a monster i don't want to go that far and call jc a monster but like jc takes it way too far and you can see lois regretting it through the whole movie and i think ellen burson does that so well in that you know that it is ultimately what she wanted for her daughter but not at not in the way that it, it ends up working out guess you hate me tonight huh 
Oh, Mama, you know I love you, but I love Dwayne, too, even if you don't like it. I don't care. I just hate to see you marry him, that's all. You wouldn't be rich anymore, and in about two months, he'd stop flattering you. Well, you're pretty stupid, then. Well, you married Daddy when he was poor, and he got rich, didn't he? Scared your daddy into getting rich, beautiful. Well, if Daddy could do it, Dwayne could, too. Not married to you. You're not scary enough. Well, you're rich and you're miserable. I sure don't want to be like you. Not much danger of that. You slept with him? Mama! Well, go to the doctor sometime and arrange something so that you don't have to worry about babies. You do have to be careful of that, you know. But, Mama, it's a sin, isn't it? Unless you're married, you know I wouldn't do that. <sighs> don't be so mealy, man. I thought if you slept with him a few times, you might find out that there isn't anything magic about him. And we can send you away to a good school. But I don't want to leave. Wealthy boy. Why can't I just stay here and go to college in Wichita Falls? Because everything is flat and empty here. And nothing to do. Can I have some of that? Help yourself. Don't you have any? Well, yeah, but I feel like smelling good right now. Don't you ever feel like doing anything right now? quick history of the film before we dive into it and start dis dissecting some of our the scenes that we want to talk about as we said it was it was directed by peter bogdanovich it, it's a funny little story of how he, like the movie came to him he was in a drugstore looking for like toothpaste or something and found a paperback that said the last picture show he goes oh i kind of like that title like that sounds like a movie i could make and he's like then i read the back and it said teenagers in texas and i was like i don't know anything about that i don't care about that and put it back and he said weeks go by and Sal uh, Mineo from uh, Rebel Without a Cause and also in Giant, who's the, the I think the soldier mm -hmm. in Giant that passes away at one point, uh, gets killed in the war. Uh, he comes to Bogdanovich and is like, hey, I've always wanted to be in this movie, but I'm too old now. You should read it and like make it into a movie. And he's just like, okay, this is like the second time it's popped up. He's like, so I put it aside and I, I didn't care about it. He's like, then a few, a few months go by and a producer comes to me and is like, hey, you should read this book. You should make it into a movie. And he says, he gets it to his wife at the time, Polly Platt. He's like, read it and tell me if it's good and whatever. Like, I don't, I don't care. And she reads it and she's like, it's a good book, but I don't know how you can make it into a movie. And he's like, that's why I want to make it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you can see watching his first, because this was his second feature, watching his first, you can see where people would get that idea because his first is about kind of the ending of an era and it, and it's wrapped yeah. up in in film um for it's called targets it's about a um a character uh played by boris karloff and very closely based i mean it's ba he's basically playing himself yeah. i'm kind of surprised yeah, they, ch is. they changed yes. the name but he's he's uh this horror icon and he's decided to retire and he's going to make his last public appearance at a at a drive-in movie theater and at the same time a kind of deranged young man uh has gone on a killing spree and the and the two intersect as this man um brings a sniper rifle to the to the drive-in and, and starts killing people and so you very you know almost literally have the the death of kind of old hollywood and yeah and, um as the 60s take over um and so you can see why people would watch that and and you know see this big ending at a at a drive-in and 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 the, the loss of innocence and all that sort of thing and, and read this book and go, oh, maybe this is Peter Bogdanovich's next thing. It's I mean, it's it's not it's not they're, they're not similar movies at all, but you can see these little kind of details that would make people go, oh, this could be he could do this. 
there's some cultural shifts in it that make it like, oh, this could be an interesting Bogdanovich movie. Uh, so before that, he went to there's a company called BBS Pictures or uh, BBS Productions that did five easy pieces with Jack Nicholson in 1969. And he had went to them with like a genre piece. Like, oh, I want to make this next. And then they go, no, we don't want a genre piece. Go find something personal. And then he came back with Last Picture Show. And as he was prepping for it, the big thing about this movie, and it's very unconventional, especially for the time in New Hollywood, is it's shot in black and white. And at that point, it was black and white film in 1971 was considered very unconventional, very uncommercial. And who would want to make it? And so Bogdanovich is like, he calls up Orson Welles, who's his good buddy. And he's like, hey, I really want to get the depth of field that you had as Citizen Kane and Touch of Evil. How would you do it? He goes, well, you'll never get that in color film. He's like, you should just shoot it in black and white. Mm -hmm. He's like, no, they're never going to let me. He goes, well, have you asked? And he goes, no. He goes, he goes, you need to do it in black and white. He goes, the movie that you sent me, even though it's a dirty movie, is what Orson, Orson <laughs> Welles said. He's like, it, it's an actor's movie. And he said, Orson Welles always believed that an actor's movie needs to be in black and white. Because in black and white, you see the you see the performances as best they could be. He's like, you're not distracted by the color of their hair or their blue eyes or their costume. You're just focused on the actual performance. Which makes sense because in this movie, especially with the adult characters... They all have these wonderful, like, juicy, like, at least one scene where they're going to give a speech. And it's going to sum up kind of, like, the history of this town, the history of these characters in some way. And so Bogdanovich asked them, and he's like, they're like, okay, we'll let, we'll let you shoot it in black and white is the big thing. And I think that's one of, that's what give us, gives this movie this timeless feel that it feels like it could be from the 1950s, but also feels like it's from the 1970s. But even some stuff feels so modern that could have been, like, done today. Like, some of the shots and cinematography they do. Well, and that's what I think is so important about the book. Like we, like I said, is it's looking back on a time that's always presented to us as very innocent. And it's looking back at it from a point of view where we, we know that that's not true. And and I think that Bogdanovich shoots that exactly in the in the right way too where it feels like we're there in that period but we're seeing how life really was and not that like golden hue that's put on it by by the people who lived it we're, we're getting kind of the ugly truth of it yeah roger ebert said it was the best film of 1951 <laughs> bogdanovich was trying to get the big thing we talked about with a lot of these actors with jeff bridges and Sybil shepherd and is it uh, timothy bottoms is that a lot of these a lot of these actors like were kind of all new actors they're all fresh faces mm -hmm. and and bogdanovich had to kind of get these kind of older kind of character actors as a way to kind of fill out the rest of the cast and the big one was uh ben johnson who plays sam the lion the 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 kind of the old guard of the west who owns the the last three places that the teens will hang out at and and bogdanovich really wanted to get ben johnson called him up and ben johnson's like no 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 I can't do it. There's too many words in this movie. I have too many. I have too many words. I have too many words. Can't do it. And so Bogdanovich calls up John Ford and Ben Johnson worked a lot with John Ford and was basically John Wayne's sidekick. And Bogdanovich calls Ford and he's like, hey, I have this this great movie, this great part for Ben, but he won't do it. He says there's too many words. And John Ford's like, that's what he always says. <laughs> he goes, he goes, he would come on set if she wore the, or she wore a yellow ribbon, ask the, the scripty how many or how many lines i got today and they go or do i have lines today and they go yes he goes he would sulk he was like he just wanted to get on his horse and ride a horse and that's all he wanted to do 
And Ford's like, give me his number, I'll call him. And he calls him. Ford calls him back 15 minutes later. He'll do the picture. Bogdanovich says that I get a phone call after that 10 minutes later from Ben Johnson. He goes, so you called the old man. <laughs> and he's like, I'm still not doing it. And they finally fight and they, they meet up in LA and Bogdanovich is there. They're arguing. Bogdanovich's like, look, Ben, if you take this role, Oscar. And he goes, why did you say that? Why did you say that? Fine, I'll do the damn thing. And so, and Bogdanovich is always like, I don't know if he was going to win the Oscar. I just wanted to say it. And he says this a lot with, with Ben Johnson when Ben Johnson's getting cast. And he says it with Gloris Leachman. He always said these two characters they're playing were the Oscar-winning parts. That he, I feel like so many directors probably said it to their actors and nothing happens. But for this one occasion, he was right. Yep. So on to the movie. What are some of your favorite scenes in The Last Picture Show? Well, I mean, I think you were talking about kind of the big monologues that some people are getting. And I've, and I've already said that, that Lois is my favorite character. I, my favorite f- scene in the, in the movie is Ellen Burstyn's kind of big uh, monologue where, where you, you've been seeing her kind of the way the rest of the town sees her. She's a flirt. Yeah. And she's, she's, everyone knows that she cheats on her husband and and she's jc's mom and she's kind of intimidating she puts off this like coolness and and in this scene you're going into it's after sam the lion has died and and sunny knows that sam uh had dated this one girl at one point and and sam talks about how adventurous she was and how fun she was and how deeply in love they were and and has kind of built this woman up to as like a legend almost to sunny and there's this moment when sunny's riding in the car with lois and he's you can tell that he's intimidated by her like most of the town is and then he had he he realizes she's she's talking about sam and she starts tearing up and he realizes that she was that girl that sam was in love with and and she tells this story about what it was like to be she was like 20 and she had just gotten married but but um she and her husband weren't in love and she and sam had this affair and and it's incredible it and and you know her character like like we were saying all these there's so many people who can't see outside of this town and and lois is one person who can but but knows that that was her that was her like last moment to be like bigger than the town and 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 it's gone and and now sam's dead too and it's incredible she is so good honestly i i love cloris leachman in this but they went up against each other in the in best supporting actress that year. I would have given it to Ellen Burstyn for that scene. She's fantastic. Oh man, that's that. Yeah, it's. I mean, both. I mean, I'll I'll talk about Gloris Leachman's scene too because I, I I think when you look at Ellen Burstyn, Gloris Leachman, and Ben Johnson, they all have one scene where you're like, oh, that that one's in the Oscar, mm-hmm. and and I think they're all phenomenal. I think Bogdanovich kind of argued that uh with Gloria Leachman, it's the last scene you see in the mm-hmm. movie yeah and it makes sense of like that's the last thing you're going out on that you would remember that one yeah but yeah it's a very it's i remember when i first watched this movie it always felt a little shocking that's it was a surprising scene when ellen burston takes uh sunny and drops him off and they have that kind of heart to heart and that's like you said that's when you realize like oh there's more to this person that then we know mm. and it's it's kind of the idea that weirdly all these characters at one point were essentially in the same shoes as our main three characters is that 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 lois was a ba- was basically a a young a young jc at some point in her life where she's in this small town 
and confides in an older man and falls in love with them. And it, it, it's such, it feel it's, it's a, it's a scene where it feels so different than the rest of her character in the movie, but it's a great transition that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you, you see it happening. It's, 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 yeah. you know, there's this, like I said, there's kind of this journey. I, I, I love, there's another scene where, um, where JC has, um, just gone off with the, with the same man that, uh, that Lois is having an affair with her husband, uh, yeah. with, and, um, and it's it's a really great scene in that Ellen, Bar- Ellen she's sitting at home and she hears his car roll up. Um, the character's name is um, is uh, Abilene. She has this moment where Abilene has a very they talk about it a lot in the book that Abilene has like a very loud car. Everyone in town knows it. And there's a scene when when Lois is sitting at home watching television and she hears Abilene's car come in the driveway and she says, "Oh, he's here for me," and and runs to the door and she sees JC coming in. And um, I was reading one of the, I think it was the oral history when they were talking with her. And she said, um, she said, I took this scene to Peter, to Peter. Yeah, and yeah, I yeah. said, I have eight different emotions here. When I see JC come in, I'm, I'm like mad at her. And then I feel sorry for her. And then I feel guilty for what I've pushed her to become. And, yeah. and how do I do? I don't, I don't say anything. How am I going to get that across? And, and, and she said that he, he told her it was better that she didn't have any lines. Cause I was going to give her the opportunity to, to do all of that. And um, yeah, he, he said, uh, don't worry about all that. Throw everything out. Think the thoughts, of the character and the camera will pick it up. Yeah. And because you do, she's you like, see it. Yeah, I, you I, do. Think, I think that's the big moment before be, that, that, yeah, and because she doesn't say anything, it's a little more subtle, but before you get that big speech about Sam, there's, there's two others. There's a scene when she's crying at Sam's funeral. And, um, and then that scene where you, where you start to see kind of her facade crack in this, like, this like ice queen role that she's built up for herself inside the town is starting to, to fall. Yeah. Um, because her, her, her intro is just so like, Oh, she's the villain of this movie yeah. in mm-hmm. a way. It's like, she comes up, it's like a close up of the car pulling up. She has sunglasses on and is like peering at, at JC and Dwayne and Sonny in the car. It's like, we're having dinner in 15 minutes. You better be there. Mm-hmm. And you're like, Oh, this mother's like, she's a piece of work. And you see her like openly flirting with with like pe- with men that have girlfriends or have wives, like the Christmas party or whatever. And so yeah, it's just a it's a phenomenal arc of a character for her. I guess you liked him, didn't you? I guess everybody did. Well, I tell you, it was different with me, Sonny. I loved him. He loved me, too. Are you... Are you the one who used to take swimming? Out the tank? He told you about that, huh? Yeah, I was the one. Oh. I guess if it wasn't for Sam, I'd... just about have missed it. Whatever it is. I'd have been one of them Amity types that thinks that playing bridge is about the best thing that life has to offer. (laughs) Oh, Sam the Lion. Sam the Lion, you know, nobody knows where he got that name. I gave it to him. One night, it just came to me. He was so pleased. 
was 22 years old then. Can you imagine? <sighs> I tell you, Sonny, it's terrible to only meet one man in your whole life who knows what you're worth. Terrible. Sam the Lion's speech is kind of mm-hmm. the big one. Yeah, Ben because, Johnson's fantastic in this. Yeah, it's and I think it's also kind of done in one take. And it's it's his monologue is essentially the death of the old West. Like his character itself is the old guard of of you could say the old Western movies before New Hollywood comes in. It's before it's the changing of the times when the fifties are coming in and hitting these small towns. Like he is a man who he, he talks about, he's like, I used to own this land. And when they're at the, they're at the pond or the tank where he's like, I just like coming out here cause there's turtles. There's no fish. I don't, I just like to kind of like to enjoy this moment. And he's kind of, and he's using his character as the death of the old West. And his monologue is kind of the, the death of the beauty of the old West and so, and this is his kind of last big moment before he ends up dying in the movie. Mm-hmm. Spoiler, spoilers, by the way, if you haven't seen the last picture show, I just want you to know <laughs> that. Um, and it's just, it's a wonderful moment where I think even Bogdanovich said it was an overcast day. And he's like, if, if I had control of the clouds, it would have happened this exact same way. Like the, the clouds come in at one point or come out at one point and the sun shines on Ben Johnson. It's just a very kind of, of beautiful moments and it's probably the first like m- like big heavy speech in the movie if that if, if i remember correctly like i don't think anyone else i don't think burson's speeches are later Gloria leachman's speeches are later uh eileen Brynn's speeches are later he's kind of the first one and so that's maybe when you kind of start opening up and seeing that the adults in this town are are trapped and they're once younger people who had dreams and had hopes and are slowly dying in a way. It's a dark moment. I apologize. <laughs> wouldn't believe how this country's changed. First time I seen it, there wasn't a mesquite tree on it. Or a prickly pear neither. I used to own this land, you know. First time I watered a horse at this tank was more than 40 years ago. I reckon the reason why I always drag you out here is probably I'm just as sentimental as the next fella when it comes to old times. Old times. I brought a young lady swimming out here once, more than 20 years ago. after my wife had lost her mind my boys was dead me and this young lady was pretty wild I guess and pretty deep we used to come out here horseback and go swimming without no bathing suits (laughs) one day she wanted to swim the horses across this tank Kind of a crazy thing to do, but we'd done it anyway. She bet me a silver dollar she could beat me across. She did. This old horse I was riding didn't want to take the water. But she was always looking for something to do like that. Something wild. 
I bet she's still got that silver dollar. And the ending scene with, with Gloria Leachman is a big favorite of mine, too. And to set up kind of the plot line of this is that Sonny Crawford, mm-hmm. the main, the basically the main character in the movie, the main kid, and he ends up he ends up having an affair with an older woman played by Gloria Leachman, who's who's Ruth Popper, and her husband's closet homosexual, and you never see him at the house, and so Gloria Leachman turns into this kind of like old, plain kind of old maid when you first see her, and then as her relationship progresses with Sonny. She like becomes like a teenager again. Mm. She puts her hair down finally when they start seeing each other. She's happier. And then he disappears because he he because JC kind of snatches her hooks to him into him and he ends up stop he stops talking to her. And then at the end of the film, after uh, a tragic events happen, he shows back up to her house after like not seeing her for months. And she just has like honestly to me one of the best like all time closing speeches of a movie mm-hmm. at first kind of like, Oh, you're back. Let's have some coffee. And then she's like, no, I have been apologizing to you in my head for months. I'm not doing this again. I'm not going to like sit back and watch and like be pushed over. This is how I feel about you. You horrible child. Mm-hmm. And then she sees something in that scene. And I think there's this, there's this kind of overwhelming theme in this movie of like the, it's like the big sad, like everyone in this town has just a, a, a big sadness over them. And, and I think she sees it in him in that moment. There's there's a turn in that speech where she looks at him and she really like registers what's on his face and she does feel sorry for him. And yeah, and I think it I think she's realized that he is he is now like the town has him now almost. It's it's it, it you know, he's he's. I, I mean, you've just watched him lose his best friend. He loses the picture show, which is like the 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 fun, all the fun that's yeah. left in this town. And then he loses. I, I I don't think we have to say spoilers. If you haven't seen the movie, you need to go see the spoiler. But he loses Billy, who is who is literal innocence. Um, yeah. Uh, Billy is is played by played in the movie by um, Timothy Bottoms' younger brother, but is not actually his brother in the movie. But it's a it's an orphan boy who is mute um who sam was raising no one no one took him in in the town they talk about in the book that his his family had moved away and just left him and um and sam takes him in and 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 he is kind of like sonny's younger brother sonny Dwayne, and and billy are all these these almost orphans that that sam has is a father figure to all of them and um and billy and sonny are really close and and there's this I, i was i also wanted to bring this up because it is it's a, I don't want to call it like my favorite scene, but it is a scene that like uh, it gets me. It chokes me up every time. But um, when Billy is, is hit by a truck and and you see, I think the reason it gets to me so much is there's, you know, there's this kind of small town thing where like men aren't emotional. And yeah. and through the whole movie, you see Sonny go through so much and he just kind of takes it all blank faced and and you there's this scene when when billy is killed all these men are gathered around him and they're just kind of talking like well i wonder what he was doing out in the road i don't know man he was he was never very smart and one of them's like yeah. let's go let's go back in the diner and finish our coffee and and sunny just that that gets him and he just like erupts yeah and and yells at all of them and uh and i think that it's it's such a and then and then that is when he goes to see ruth afterwards 
And uh, well, first he, he, he decides tries to leave to, town. He, yeah. he tries to leave town. He drives out of town, and then stops and turns back around. He can't do it. He can't leave. But uh, and I and I think that's the moment he explodes and he's like, "I'm, I'm done with this. I, I can't do whatever this is in this town." And and he gets to the edge and and he has to turn back. And that's yeah. He he resigns himself to live with that kind of whatever the sadness is that's over this town instead. Uh, of getting out and it's funny because it goes with what you, you brought up last episode of like eight hours one way like you're, you have like you can't get to anything it's eight hours away basically you're mm-hmm. in the middle of like texas and maybe in that drive it's just kind of like wait what am i doing what like what is my plan here like where am i going i'm just driving and i have no place to go let me just go back there and deal with this and that's when he goes to ruth and I, it's it's almost like the air of his ways of like i realized i messed up or it's even here there's a great scene too in that moment it's before billy dies when he goes back to his old high school for the football game and he's talking to this guy he goes oh yeah this new quarterback like back back in your day you guys couldn't tackle or catch he goes when did you graduate again he's like last year wow feels so long ago it's just like in this town like time can stand still but also go by fast where you like wow 20 years ago i was in high school and i'm now just working at the the convenience store and nothing's changed Mm -hmm. and yeah there's so many moments in this film that capture that feeling of these characters that are just frozen in time but it's it's like everything around this town is moving fast and they're just stuck there why am i always apologizing to you you little bastard three months i've been apologizing to you without you even being here I haven't done anything wrong. Why can't I quit apologizing? You're the one ought to be sorry. I wouldn't still be in my bathroom if it hadn't been for you. I had my clothes on hours ago. You're the one made me quit caring if I got dressed or not. I guess just because your friend got killed, you want me to forget what you did and make it all right? I'm not sorry for you. You'd have left Billy too, just like you left me. I bet you left him plenty of nights. Whenever J.C. whistled, I wouldn't treat a dog that way. I guess you thought I was so old and ugly, you didn't owe me any explanation. You didn't need to be careful of me. There wasn't anything I could do about you and her. Why should you be careful of me? You didn't love me. Look at me. Can't you even look at me? You're seeing all these characters grow up. JC's now left town. Dwayne's going off to the war. And Sonny's the one who's stuck here. Yeah, and he doesn't even have Billy anymore. Yeah. yeah, it's like all, all my friends are gone. Everyone I can confide in is gone. So I think that's why too he he goes to Gloria Sleechman. Yeah, and be like this is yeah this for is sure. The, this is the only person in the world that understands me. Yeah, and and I think he he suddenly kind of understands her because I they, yeah. in in the book and and you kind of see it a little bit in the movie. He's he's kind of unnerved by how emotional she is sometimes yeah it makes him uncomfortable and they talk about it a good bit in the book too is like sometimes she'll she'll just start crying like you know they'll they'll have um they'll just be together like laying out on the floor talking about stuff and she'll just start crying out of happiness and it and it does he always gets uncomfortable when that happens and i think like we said that whatever happens with billy finally like taps into something within him and 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 he's got all of that emotion and and i think that is also why he goes back to her is he finally understands you know the the emotion that she's been showing he's he's finally feeling the way that that she did 
and um, and that was part of the reason why he kind of avoided her was was she was always kind of sad or, or, or melancholy and, and he never understood it she's the ghost of christmas future in a way <laughs> like she's the one he's like oh this is who i can i could become where i'm stuck at home with nothing to do in a a low rent job or whatever and and kind of and and we we haven't mentioned much of it but in the sequel that's kind of what he's become Sonny in, in the in the mm-hmm. in the movie Texasville, Sonny's kind of become just like he's the now the mayor of the town or whatever, and but doesn't really have any like job to do as the mayor. He's just kind of like a figurehead that's there and living in the old past. Um, another favorite scene of mine that I wanted to bring up is the the final like movie theater scene mm-hmm. that him and Dwayne are. It's Dwayne's last night in town before he gets shipped off to the Korean War. And it's and and when when Sam died, he left the movie theater to the the woman who ran the popcorn stand. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the movie, when you first see it, the the movie theater's kind of kind of I won't say packed, but it's like a hangout for teenagers and all these people. And it's like it's kind of and they're showing like Father of the Bride. And then by the end of the movie, it's just like oh, it's the last night because she couldn't keep it open after Sam died. And they're watching Red River, which is a big connection with with kind of Bogdanovich in this movie. And it's like there's no one there. It's like it's pretty much just Dwayne, Sonny, and like five other people for the last night of this apparent like big, huge hangout spot for this town. But no one cares. No one's there. And it, it's it's the rise of television at this point. And so these like little bitty movie theaters and, and small towns like this are dying off. Because everyone's at home watching TV. When you again, when you watch the movie, when you're when they're in like a um, anytime you're in the home, you hear like a TV going on in the background most of the time. It's like people are staying in more. No one's going out. So these little businesses like a movie theater in this town that really just they need a specific number of people to survive. That they just close and it just stays that way as the sequel kind of shows like that it becomes a like a a caved in business that just everything's built up around it and no one cares mm-hmm. but it's a great little moment when and they're, they're they're watching red river which is this movie of like i feel like almost manifest destiny type stuff where it's like it's it's Dwayne and cliff we talked about this in the show wayne and cliff are like doing the first uh cattle drive and it's innovation it's expansion yeah and, and it's this literally town- it opens with them just john wayne just going like this is this is my land i claim yeah. this like it's very it's very texas in that way yeah that move yeah and then and then it ends the, the i think the scene that we shit they show is like all right take them to abilene like it's them going off and and leading this like big huge adventure and sonny's just like trapped in town Mm-hmm. And everyone's leaving, and this is the last movie. The last movie, he'll get to see on a on a, on a screen in this town, probably. Mm-hmm. Like that's the thing is that like picture in a time right now where we don't have movie theaters. If you're a huge movie buff, if you live in a city where like okay, we're closing the movie theater, there's no way you can see a movie again in this town without driving three hours a certain way or whatever. And and that's part of his again this kind of loss of innocence. That's part of his like upbringing, his childhood. The place he goes to hang out, or to go hang out and make out, and now it's gone. Well, so long, Miss Mosey. Sorry, you're closing the show. 
Nobody wants to come to shows no more. Kid baseball in the summer, television all the time. Sam had lived, I, I believe we could have kept it going. But I just didn't have the know-how. Won't be much to do in town with the picture show closed. Yeah. Well, so long. Dwayne, you watch out now overseas. Yeah, those are my favorite scenes. Do you have any more you want to talk about real quick? Yeah, I mean, I, I just... There, there's not, like, one scene in particular that sticks out to me for, like, JC's arc, but I, I do think, like, Civil Shepherd is, is incredible in this. And um, and it's it's a really interesting approach. It, it would be... I think the first time I watched this movie, I thought that JC was the villain of this movie. I kind of thought... I thought the same way. But, the first time. Uh, but when, you, when you go back and watch it, it's... She's... she's this her her mother and it, it, that's that's kind of what i love about lois too is is lois does set her up poorly like Lo, lois puts her on the wrong path well she's like you should just have sex with the guy so you find out that like he's not worth it yeah yeah and 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 but what jc takes at it as is this is that like it becomes where like sex is the only it's all she's worth and that set, sex is how she manipulates yeah. sex is how she manipulates everyone around her and it's how she values herself and and just like being being scandalous and being the talk of the town is is the only thing that gives her excitement and it's 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 a really uh fascinating arc to see because you you do kind of forget like i was saying when you go back and and watch it i think um i think you you were you said you were surprised to go back and watch that original scene and remember how innocent she is at the beginning of the movie it's you you remember so much about where she ends up in this movie that you forget how she kind of starts the movie as as a as a very young impressionable young girl and yeah. um and and you see her you see her use people and you see people use her and uh the more and more i come back to this movie the more i think like her arc and 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 like i said before kind of the arc of her mother is just so uh heartbreaking yeah. Um, and, and she does have this big scene when, when she goes off with uh, with Abilene and, and, and she comes home and, and you're, you're not really sure how she's feeling. And, and then she just like she sees her mom and she just breaks down into tears and you, and yeah. you realize that, that maybe she's realizing she's gone a little too far. Yeah, because she's built and also she's built up this idea of sex and like, I guess, also losing her virginity as being this kind of not, I, glorious thing in a way because she's been mm -hmm. tr she tried it beforehand with Dwayne but Dwayne couldn't do it mm -hmm. and so she's like you better tell everyone we did it and so when this guy comes up with with Abilene and they go to the pool hall and have sex she's building it up as this great thing when this dude's just saying oh this is someone I can have sex with real, real quick mm -hmm. and and that's the thing is that when they when she when he takes her home and she's kind of wanting to have a moment with him in the car he's just like can you get out everything's starting to crash down around her mm -hmm. in that moment. Well, and, and so much of what she does in this movie is motivated by wanting to just to, to go steady with, with this guy, Bobby, the, the rich guy from the next town over. And, and, yeah. and he tells her, I don't date virgins come back when you're not a virgin. And she spends almost the entire movie kind of trying to, trying to make herself appealing to him. And then just finds out, um, I, I don't think they address it in the in the movie. They just kind of you see her and and she says that she found out he got married in the in the book. She just finds out in the announcements section of the newspaper that he got, that he married someone else, and um, and that that's when she goes off with Abilene is that night afterwards. But um, but she spent so much of her time trying to 
like win win bobby over and then he just you know doesn't even goes off and marries someone doesn't even tell her yeah and then it becomes like again her mother mentions sunny mm-hmm. and how like oh sunny's been sleeping with that with ruth popper in town she's like well she's in her 40s she's like yeah everyone knows about this like everyone in town knows that sunny is like having an affair with this 40 year old again this kind of small town vibe but no one's talking about it Mm -hmm. (laughs) and she's like oh let me try to get him instead and yeah the way bogdanovich and also dp robert surtees shoot sybil shepherd like the pov shots of her where it's like usually from like sunny's perspective it's like beautiful i could see why why Sonny becomes so upset, not obsessed, but becomes so uh, infatuated mm-hmm. with JC and why everyone in town does. Mm-hmm. Like, why every, every, like, basically, it's like she's the one girl that every guy in town wants to be with. I can understand that. And this small town, she's <laughs> just kind of this gorgeous beauty that should not be here. That's the so surprising thing at the beginning where she's just like, oh, no, I want to stay here. Yeah, because all the rich kids, all the rich kids in town go to hang out in Wichita Falls, which is the next yeah. town over. Um, that's what you kind of see with with Randy Quaid's character, um, Lester, yeah. is is he he very he's he lives in, in town with them, but he very rarely like spends weekends yeah. there or anything. He, he goes to Wichita Falls to hang out with the country club crowd. And they go and, skinny dipping. They go skinny dipping in a pool, not yeah. a pond, a pool. <laughs> Difference. That's the rich part. Yeah. Like that, and that's also and that, and that. Just talking about that real quick because that that hits me because there is this like these young teens are like it's the this changing of the times where you go swimming the pool indoors. When Sam is talking about his time with with uh, Lois, it's them skinny dipping in a pond with turtles or whatever. It's like you're seeing this society changing toward this more structured like less nature like nature based and more this like business yeah. type yeah but also like it's all it's always happened i think that's what mcmurtry kind of sets out to prove in this book is like people have always been this way we just didn't talk about it it the 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 movie is about both like the loss of innocence within these young people and within yeah. this town like losing the the picture show and 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 but the it it's also about kind of smashing that fake innocence that's been built up around that time it's 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 about establishing both yeah uh onward to onset life real quick brief brief uh side section of what was like what was it like when they were shooting in texas at the time uh they had one week of rehearsals in la one week in texas which is something that's very unheard of nowadays for a film to have rehearsals of any kinds mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people were seeing each other so Sybil Shepard and Jeff Bridges, they were dating during the time of filming. Bridges was in the Coast Guard, got sent away to do like his military service for a week, comes back, and Pierre Bogdanovich is dating Sybil Shepard. And Bogdanovich was married at the time to his production designer, Polly Platt. And Shepard and Bogdanovich started having an affair. Platt moved out of like their hotel room, but still worked on the movie. Uh, last thing, Frank Marshall who is was steven spielberg's producer Mm -hmm. and and husband to kathleen kennedy plays the quarterback at the end of the movie that runs out when sonny's there and and marshall was an assistant production manager and helped do location scan with polly platt because he had worked on targets with bogdanovich before one other one other little trivia i noticed yeah um was after after reading that salmoneo was the one that bogdanovich credited for giving him the book at first um he gets special thanks in the credits for this movie and in the credits for texasville oh does he does he really yeah Mm -hmm. okay 
the film was nominated for eight Oscars, Best Picture, Best Director, Best Adapted Screenplay for Pierre Bogdanovich and Larry McMurtry, uh, Best Supporting Actor for Ben Johnson and Jeff Bridges, Best Supporting Actress for Ellen Burstyn and Gloria Sleachman, and then Best Cinematography for Robert Surtees, who actually had two nominations in the same year that year for this and Summer of 42. Uh, Surtees was shot the graduate also shot a lot of vincent minnelli movies like bad and the beautiful and father of the bride he didn't shoot father of the bride but that's a vincent minnelli movie so it feels like kind of a connection there so thomas what are your thoughts on the oscars from that year oh man i french connection is fine so french connection like swept the oscars that year um, the only oscars they won was for ben johnson and glorious leachman yeah best picture show won two oscars out of after out of the eight it was nominated but i think you know I obviously am biased towards this film, but also to think that that Clockwork Orange was in the running. Yeah, You've got Clockwork Orange and Last Picture Show going up for Best Picture. You've got this going up for Best Screenplay. You've got this going up for Best Director. And, and to give almost all of it to French Connection, which is fine. It's a good cop movie, but it, it's not like... It, it, I don't know. Can, can a... Can a good cop movie beat out like a really honest drama i don't think so it's i've never understood <laughs> the the french connection hype i i saw the french connection when i was fairly young and then like read that it was this like hugely well-respected like awarded film and went back to like rewatch it because i was like really that cop movie and then i went back to rewatch it and i was like what are we talking about here guys i really <laughs> I really don't understand what's going on here. Well, I like French Connection because I love Gene Hackman, but I, I get I'm not the... saying it's bad. I'm just I'm just saying it it feels like something that should have aged. I don't know in the way that that I mean it's something like it's it, it it's in the same lines as something like I, I don't even know what what would you put like I mean it's something like Rocky or you know where you're like yeah that was really well done it won a couple of awards I love that movie like thinking of it warmly but I don't think it should be the most critically praised film of that year like it it doesn't it doesn't like hit that mark for me I mean just just to bring up Rocky real quick it it won 1976 Rocky won against All the President's Men Bound for Glory Network and Taxi Driver yeah i i love rocky i love rocky it is not better than those movies i'm sorry <laughs> and the same with french connection like french connection is a is a fun movie it's a good it is like top tier cop movie yeah i don't think top tier cop movie is is ever sorry is ever in the running for like best film of the year i'm sorry like, yeah, that's just yeah. Not, i'm not i'm not genre biased here i'm just <laughs> you're like i don't like cop movies buddy cop movies that are not funny I love cop movies. I love it. And this is a great film, but um, it's not, it's never going to be the movie of 1972 for me. And I mean, and, and Bogdanovich has said like, Oh, isn't it that thing that like the best film never wins. And, um, and yeah, I think he, we, we, we've, we've discussed that many times, but yeah. Um, so basically I read Bogdanovich says he thinks he lost the Oscar. Cause when people, because when people asked him what the best film of the year was, he always said his Friedkin, the director of a French connection would always say the last picture show. He said, that's why I think Friedkin won the Oscar. Because <laughs> he's like, I, I told him the truth. I told him how I felt. I didn't play the political game. I was like, I think my film's the best movie of the year. And they're like, oh, we don't like that. And 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 it makes it harder to know. Like, there's so many movies that are respected now that, that, that get this Citizen Kane treatment where it's like they were not respected at the time. And it's, yeah. and it's harder to know that this was immediately respected yeah. and still looked over 
for for best picture that's that's a <laughs> that's a shame yep uh so we've kind of talked about, i'll ask him real quick just because it's kind of the format what worked is there anything else that worked in this movie that we did not discuss uh, I think, and I've noticed, you know, it's funny, I went back and, and I've, I've watched four Bogdanovich movies this week just to kind of hype myself up for this. He yeah, does not uh, use score. And it's not something that anyone ever talks about, really, but he does yeah. not use score. I texted um, you about it. I was mm-hmm. like, man, there are so many Hank Williams songs in this movie. Yeah, it, it, he did the same thing with Targets. He did the same thing with Paper Moon. Uh, he did the same thing with Texasville. It's scored completely with what's playing, and it's not... It's not like yeah, a jukebox. Source. It's not like a jukebox score, like uh, you know, something that like James Gunn it's, it's, does. Yeah, it's it's all source music. It's all yeah. like coming from the radio or something. And it's never really like no one ever says like, "Oh, I'll turn it up." I love this song. Like it's 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 just kind of woven in like score because no one ever kind of addresses what they're listening to. They're just always yeah. listening to it. And um, and yeah, it's it's almost played like a like a joke in in yeah. this movie like everyone's just always listening to the hank everyone's always listening to hank williams and usually it's like the same like two songs it's yeah. either hey good looking or um or uh blue yodel uh there's like why don't you love me like you used to do oh yeah i yeah. heard like i heard i was like man they just went the, the like because there's like an album of like 40 greatest hits from hank williams and it feels like they played every single one at some point in but this it, movie. But it gets you into that, like, monotony of this town. Yeah, like, everyone's just listening to the same song everywhere you go. Like, it, it was weirdly a break when I heard a song that wasn't Hank Williams. I'm like, oh, man. Hank Williams isn't good this month, this week right now. <laughs> like, it was just like, another Hank Williams number one hit. Yeah. Jambalaya. Yeah, but I think I think it really works. Um, and, it, and it kind of gets you into it. It really does put you just smack dab in that town. Not You, you don't realize how much you miss score until yeah, yeah. you're just there in that town and all you can hear is hank williams over and over again and you and you, you want to get out like you yeah you're, you're stuck there with them it's a weird that's like a new hollywood uh trope in a weird way because he does it scorsese does it he does it more i think not as source but he's kind of he, he'll use um when main well main streets it feels most like source music yeah but even in main streets like you know even when it's source he's still very cinematic acknowledging it like like obviously the big the jumping jack flash sequence when robert daniel first enters you know the lights dim all the sound drops out and that and that song comes up and uh and it goes from it does have a source but it becomes score yeah yeah and and he never even uses this as score it's just always There. it's 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 more in line a little bit with the uh, american graffiti um but it feels very much just like new hollywood time where they're they're using source music as a way to tell the story and not use score anything else that what worked that we didn't talk about yeah something i i love and it's a very fine line to tread in a movie like this where you're just like jumping time and you're getting like snapshots and it does it it does it really well yeah. it does it really well and something i love is every once in a while you've got to throw in some stuff that doesn't like move the plot forward and 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 it, it's like it's it's just like like you'd call it in, in journalism you call it like a local color it's just uh and 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 one of the things i love and uh it's not necessarily like one of my favorite scenes but i just love that they do it is yeah. this 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 extended sequence where the preacher's kid like kidnaps a little girl and the whole town, yeah. like, the whole town goes nuts over it. it do, that has that has nothing to do with Sonny's storyline or JC's storyline or Dwayne's storyline, but it, it makes so much sense. I mean, this is something that one, it's it's another example of like the loss of innocence of this town. Like this town cannot pretend to be pure and clean anymore. 
and and two it's it's something that everyone in the town would be talking about and the, the yeah. way they play it feels so real to uh I, I mean everyone's got something scandalous from their town that happened and 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 um they it, all chase after him. They, yeah, like, yeah. The all, whole, everyone everyone, everyone gets in, in cars. cars. <laughs> yeah, they come and tell the sheriff. I love that the sheriff's at the um, the sheriff's pool at hall. the the pool hall, and they come and say um, he just I forget what that character Joe Bob or something like that. He's got a double. He's got a double yeah. name. But they say ah, he just kidnapped so and so's five year old daughter, and the sheriff goes oh, he's probably just giving her a ride. <laughs> and they say no, and he goes well, let's go boys, and everyone in the pool hall goes and jumps in a truck with the sheriff to go catch him. The part that really hit me in that scene though was the mother like oh my god you have my daughter if my husband was here like what why aren't you you get y'all arresting him like my husband would beat him to death if he didn't like taking our daughter and then when everyone starts to leave she just leaves her daughter yeah, her daughter's just walking by the herself daughter's just walking her. walking by herself and the two men are like taking her like oh it's okay it's okay and the daughter's just kind of like okay cool i'm just gonna follow you guys because everyone's leaving me mm-hmm. it's just a weird like it's an interesting dichotomy of like she's so upset about oh you kidnap my daughter when in reality it's almost like she's trying to pretend what a parent should be like in a way mm-hmm. and then doesn't really care about the kid it's just a weird it was an interesting yeah touch. And, it, and it's just such a good little twist because that character's always in the background as kind of as your comic relief he's just kind of the the weird kid that's like too he's he's a little too pure for everyone everyone makes fun of him oh, and the it's preacher's kid the preacher's kid yeah and it's just this this one more like this this town is changing forever like this this kid that was once just kind of your comic relief is like oh this kid's twisted too like everyone everyone in this whole town is twisted and they all try and hide it again it's that it goes back to that transgression comment by ebert it's like this town shouldn't exist for any reason Everyone in this town has nothing to do, so they just they they go for transgression. Mm-hmm. Was there anything that did not work about this movie? How dare you ask me that? <laughs> uh, I'll I'll give I'll I'll tell you this one thing, and I I almost don't want to tell you because I feel like um I feel like this this was your favorite scene that you brought up. <laughs> There's a go couple ahead. of sequences, and I didn't notice until watching it in HD. There's a couple of sequences. Uh, I wish we had a better print of this movie it, i don't know what happened with it but it's not is fantastic the, is it, like, is it sam the lion scene is that the one you're talking about yeah 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 but yeah. kind of all there's a couple little editing things you can pick up now that it's in hd there's a couple of times when they switch to slow-mo to draw a scene out a little bit more and it's very obvious now that we have like high definition and you can you can see the the film you can see the grain slow down but in the sam the lion scene like bogdanovich talks about they shot it in a one or there's one part when they cut away to just like a shot of the pond and it is just not a visually interesting you can tell that they needed to cut away for some reason and it's yeah. just not a visually interesting shot that they cut to um and i've noticed it the last couple of times because I've, I've also just gone and pulled that scene up every once in a while just because i love that scene so much and i wish that that scene would be like perfection if they if they even i mean i'm fine with them cutting away but i, I just the the shot feels like they were just like, oh, we need some B-roll to fill in here. And it's just not, a, it, you can tell the shot was not done with purpose. And um, and it ruins what could be, it doesn't ruin, but it, it's a, it is a very small, it's a very small little scratch on what could be like a perfect scene. I love that like when you're asking what, what didn't work about this movie, you're like, oh, this cutaway, man. Yeah, yeah. One cutaway, cutaway in work. this movie. This one yeah. cutaway didn't work. No, exactly. That's how I feel about this movie. <laughs> uh, okay big question real quick how does this film fit within the texas genre oh i think it's huge i think this is like 
like you were talking about having red river playing at the movie theater these are like sandwiches on like texas like and i think this goes really well with giant i think you're seeing yeah whereas giant tries to show you all of it you're seeing a very specific part of giant from everyone else's point of view and giant you see the people who are successful and here you're seeing the people who aren't well like with a giant for example it's like it's not they're not it's they're not portrayed as racist in this movie but in giant it's the scene when they all go to the diner and everyone's just hanging out at the diner they're like oh why are you here with this uh hispanic woman with you mm-hmm. it's like it's that it's it's that scene from everyone else's perspective is this movie if that makes sense mm-hmm. it's like yeah. everyone who lives in the town outside the oil rig this is their movie yeah and but the giant's about the rich people you have and and i think this is so much about the texas myth like you know, you're you're seeing a a place where everyone's worth is based on has for since for the entire history of this of Texas as a state and as a country before that it was it's about land ownership. People came yeah. out here because it was huge and you could just grab whatever you wanted, and uh, and now you're seeing a period where people aren't able to do to own land. Um, yeah, and, or even just own a business. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and and you're seeing kind of the death of that Texas, the old Texas mythology, and and even like we were talking about with Sonny finally like in, embracing his emotions, like you're seeing the death of that like Texas, you're seeing the death of the cowboy. Yeah. Um, it it's all this is the turning point, and 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 so you you, uh, for sure see the the longing to get out of Texas. I mean, I think if anything, yeah. that's like the the underscoring theme of this film is just the longing to get out. Um, yeah. so yeah i think it i think it's for sure a texas movie i think it's kind of a an, an anti-texas movie you know if, if there's a genre of texas movie this is the antithesis of it um but <laughs> it's the dark side yeah yeah it, it's it's examining all that stuff that we've seen in the westerns for so long and 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 showing you what happens when when time goes on so so yeah i i think it fits in really well with with giant especially as like a very sp- small snapshot of of the turning point within giant. Like we see this part happen in giant and this takes that little period and, and drops you into the middle of it and makes you just yeah. sit in it. And like I said, you're seeing scenes where like Ben Johnson, uh, as Sam, the lion talks about like, Oh, I used to own this land when talking about the pond he was on. And like, now I just, I don't own it, but I come out here still to like, remember the good old days or whatever. Of yeah. The beauty and and, of and this like, place. like so much in giant is spent on like your legacy and what, yeah. what bit can pass down to his kids. And, and we're seeing, uh, two boys who, who have no legacy, who have don't, the only legacy they have is what Sam has passed on to them. And, and that's pretty much gone by the end of the movie. I was going to ask this later, but I'll ask it now. He gives money to the preacher's kid. Yeah. Which makes me, which makes me wonder, is the preacher kid, preacher's kid, his kid? I, I had always assumed it as, as that Sam had seen like how much everyone picked on the kid, and 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 Sam always, Sam's always someone who sees beyond like the, the status quo, and um, uh, and that that was kind of what I always read it as. I love there's again that made the share for the old, one of the old guys like. I don't know why he left that kid some money. Should have left me some of that money. Mm-hmm. I would. I, I. I. I'm just as good as he is. It's just, yeah, I love how you have this, like, kind of Greek chorus in a way of these kind of characters who are just commenting on weird parts of society mm-hmm. that are completely, that are unaware of what's happening, but it's just like, oh, this has affected my day. Let's discuss <laughs> it real quick. Uh, like, again, it's like, oh, he's probably just, it's like, basically, no one wants anything to disrupt their day in this movie. Like, th- these kind of other adult characters like that. It's like, the sheriff, like, oh, he's probably just driving her home. Like, I don't want to miss my pool game. Mm-hmm. 
let me do my pool game yeah i mean that's the thing about this town it's like they're stuck in a loop and yeah uh, and and you're seeing the people that you follow in this movie are the only ones who have have really broken out of it um let's see alternate universe cast all right this is these are some interesting ones first ellen burston was offered all three lead female like old female older female roles she auditioned for ruth and genevieve and then she also Bogdanovich also had her read for for Lois, and Bogdanovich said to her after the audition, "Hey, you know what? I've never done this. You're great in all three of these. Call me tomorrow and tell me which one you want to play." And he thought she was going to pick Genevieve or Ruth, but she goes with Lois because that was the more interesting character to her. The character of Billy, who's the kind of uh, the the mute, the kind of the kid the kid that's mentally challenged. Bogdanovich cast him because the kid they cast wasn't working out for him is what he said the rumor is it was dennis quaid mm-hmm. was the was the kid who played billy and essentially i guess bogdanovich fired to cast this other kid and it's funny because randy quaid's also in the movie as the lester marlowe i think's his name yeah john ritter is sunny and he was gonna cast tex ritter john ritter's dad as sam the lion yeah. Okay. And Tex Ritter is this country music star who was also in like all these old country western movies in the 30s and 40s. Another name I just I just I listened to before coming on here. It was never offered to him, but apparently it was discussed. But Bogdanovich said no. He's probably too famous when every other person in this movie is like kind of unknown. Jimmy Stewart for Sam the Lion. They were. He said that uh, they talked about Jimmy Stewart, but it wouldn't work since everyone else was unknown. And you just all of a sudden see Jimmy Stewart pop up on screen. Yeah. When... Yeah. I think it would kind of break up that the like ordinariness of this movie, which is exceptional. So like he, that's why they never offered it to him. That's the alternate cast of that movie. Um, other interesting info I have for you. Jeff Bridges, I think, was the first person to read for Dwayne. And Bogdanovich said that he was... He was Dwayne was such a like a kind of a mean character and that when they cast Bridges, they said, oh, Bridges is a nice guy. Maybe they'll add some complexity to the character of Dwayne. When he does, it's it's weird. Dwayne is one of the only characters in the book that you never get his point of view. Um, you never follow like like it's told, you know, entirely third person, but you follow specific people and get an insight into their mind. But you never hear from Dwayne. You never even in the movie, you never see a scene of Dwayne outside of like jc and sunny yeah like which, is, which all... is weird that then Dwayne becomes there's there's four more books after this just about Dwayne and and, and the and the yeah. biggest star of the entire movie ends up being jeff bridges mm. let's see what else was there oh the big thing uh that i want to bring up and the kind of connection to red river they drove all around town or all around texas to find the town and it ended up being archer city they actually shot in archer city which is where McMurtry, I think, still lives. He says he's lived there for, he says, I've had the same mailbox for 70 years in Archer City. And they changed the name from, it was uh, Thalia. Is that mm-hmm. the name of the town? Thalia. Thalia, yeah. Thalia in the book. They changed, they changed it to Anna Rain for the film because that was a ghost town outside of Archer City that had that same name. Also, Bogdanovich wanted to wanted the town to have a similar name to Abilene, which is the town that Wayne John Wayne Montgomery Clifter going to in Red River. Mm-hmm. 
is why he wanted to be Anna Rain. He wanted that similarity, which is why I think also too, I don't know if it is, maybe his name's in the book, but Abilene, the character in this movie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I only have one story question. Does JC ever love any of these guys for real? Yeah, I think, I think JC loved Dwayne, which is kind of, I think what Lois saw as well was that, was that JC in, 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 in the way, you know, within the town, um, where, where JC really did really would have been if if lois hadn't said anything jc for at least a little while would have been happy to marry Dwayne and and live in anarine but then you you see that and that's that's the thing i where i think i think jc's story line is the one that's that's most interesting to keep coming back to because you keep seeing more and more of her journey and um and and you you start to see her put more and more value into her social uh standing and into what other people think of her and 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 that's when she kind of has to she she kind of manipulates Dwayne in order to to better her own social standing um and and that is when she she loses sight of any sort of emotion i think at that point when she, when she starts to see sex as like a way to get power and and a way to to advance herself she she i don't think that she really has any emotional connection to the rest of the to bobby or to um or to sunny afterwards but i do think there there, there was something there with with Dwayne in the beginning for sure and that's what kind of scared lois was that was was seeing her daughter be in love at that age and and knowing how you know being that young and, and making that commitment and how it could affect her life forever yeah yeah um any quick comments about texasville I guess a brief summary of Texasville. It's the sequel, the book sequel and the movie sequel to Last Picture Show. The movie pretty much has the entire cast back except Ellen Burstyn and anyone that dies, mm-hmm. basically. Uh, and it's focused on Dwayne as a as a oil man, but is like an oil man who's like twelve million dollars in debt, at least in the movie. And yeah, it's, it's set in like eighty six when, when yeah when the oil. Uh, the economy is tanked um, yeah oil prices are down yeah and and ruth popper Gloria leachman's character works for jeff bridges character Dwayne. randy quaid's a banker who's like losing a bunch of money with Dwayne. Dwayne's having affairs on his wife and his kids his, his older son starts having having affairs with those same women basically and the big kind of storyline is that uh jc comes back jc's been is like a, a successful actress who's like been living in europe for for the past few years and a tragic event i think either her i think it's her husband and son mm-hmm. have died tragically in some like i think some like onset event and she's come back home to texas small town texas after being gone for so long as this like cultured woman and she meets back up with Dwayne, not in like a romantic way, but like they just cross paths because Dwayne is now married to Annie Potts, who steals the movie as like, because I think you said before, as we were talking about, is that she doesn't have the limitations of like, oh, she was in Last Picture Show. Mm-hmm. Like she's the most like fresh character. And then Sonny is now the mayor and is kind of slowly going insane is what it is. But uh, his, he's having like brain problems where he's like, yeah, it's some sort of he, like only on early onset dementia. Yeah, um, like he, sure. he's thinking he's thinking he's in the past, and there's a great line that that Jeff Bridges says about uh, 
Sonny, he goes, uh, he's or someone's like, I don't want him to go away. He goes, he's already he's already gone away, honey. He's just gone away to the past. Like he's now just living in his mind. He's going back to the picture show and like pretending he's watching a movie, or he's going back to the bleacher, the like the 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 stadium they're at and pictures the football game or whatever. Like it's just a very he's still living in this old ways of what was in last picture show, which is what he lost the childhood and innocence that he lost. He's still searching for. It's okay. <laughs> It's it's fine. What were your thoughts? Your brief thoughts on that movie? No, I mean I think it's very hard to make a sequel to a masterpiece. Yeah, um, it, yeah, it is. But uh, yeah, it's and I've I've read the book and it's difficult to adapt for sure. the The first book and the first film are both hyper realistic and they they feel like like you're there. And and the second book, the rest of the books following Dwayne are a little bit more ridiculous. I I, I would call them like tongue in cheek. Um, they're, they're, they still take place in the real world, but it's kind of this, like how crazy can, can your midlife crisis get kind of thing. And, and everything in the book is kind of approached with, uh, with like a wink and like, ha ha ha, look how crazy Dwayne's life has gotten from being that like simple high school kid that we last saw him. And Bogdanovich kind of plays it with almost the same tone as the first one and i just i don't think it translates the book the book does not play it with that same tone and so you lose a lot of the a lot of the moments that are meant to be a little bit more comedic you you don't really get it doesn't feel like bogdanovich or they're they're adapting them over from the book but it doesn't feel like bogdanovich or jeff bridges or anybody is like playing it for uh that humor all the time there there were some moments like i had some solid chuckles in the movie yeah i love that i love that jc like doesn't remember uh, Dwayne, when they first run into each yeah. other, who, uh, do I know you? Yeah. yeah, we we used to date. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's and it's it's so funny to think to her. It was just like, yeah, it was my high school boyfriend for like a, you know for like a year, and and for us it was like, yeah, this is this movie we've been watching. I've seen eight times, and is like yeah. regarded as one of the best movies ever. Like that's that's huge for like JC and Dwayne, and then for her it's just like a year out of her life. I I do think it has some some interesting stuff to say about like the nature of sequels and um and coming back to a life especially a life in a small town where everyone is still there like normally you'd watch a sequel and you'd be like really like all these people are still around but yeah that's a small town like yeah they're still it makes gonna sense. see eileen brennan's character who was their like favorite waitress at the diner she's still gonna be around like they're still gonna interact with her they're, instead instead of the cafe they were going to it's now the dairy queen spot they're yeah. they're always hanging out at like they're, yeah. they're, they're, they eat breakfast lunch and dinner it feels like at the dairy queen yeah, and, there, and there's a part of me that's like, yeah, I wouldn't want to. I, I don't like coming back and seeing, you know, what's what's come of this movie that it, I think is so incredible. But I mean, that's also, I guess, a solid metaphor for like middle age and like yeah, yeah, yeah. seeing this town become. Even if the town was dreary, it was it felt unique before, and now it just feels. And this is what happened in the '80s and '90s. It all feels like any mid-level town that built up around an interstate yeah the com the comment i wrote in my review was that it feels like i said the town has the town has been built around the shells of the old businesses from the first film almost ignoring they even exist like a haunted house with new occupants that ignore the ghost around them mm. like there are some spots where like you still have the old picture show still there but it's just caved in i feel like the cat like all it's there's still businesses that are just boarded up that were in the first one they were just been still boarded up but they're still celebrating the hundredth year of the town. Like they're a bustling town when in reality, they're still just a very similar town to what they were before. Yeah. And, th and there's just some stuff you just can't get around, especially aesthetically. Like I, I read 
a review of someone who really liked this movie who's who talked about the duality of like the the um, last picture show opens with a shot of the the theater and this opens with a shot of a a tv antenna and it's like yeah okay yeah sure it does but like a tv antenna is not as visually interesting as an old theater on like a main street like that's, and also that's just, and that's also not too, gonna be. T- and TV doesn't have a, a big connection to these characters in this movie mm. when that movie theater did is the thing moving on. <laughs> I don't want to talk. I don't want to talk much about Texasville awards. The BH is straight award for an actor and actress with limited scenes, but kills it. Ooh. I mean, how, how limited are we talking? <laughs> <laughs> like, should I give it to Ellen Burstyn or should I give it to Eileen Brennan? I would give it to Ben Johnson. Okay, yeah, you give it to Ben Johnson too. <laughs> Cause Ben Johnson has like Alright, well if you're giving it to Ben Johnson, I'm giving it to Ellen Burstyn. Well that, okay, okay. That's that's fine. Yeah, because Ben Johnson like is only on screen for like nine minutes and fifty four seconds. That's how long he's on the screen for in this movie, which he feels like he's on there much longer. He only shot for ten days. I give it Ben Johnson, you're giving it to Ellen Burstyn. Okay. The Joe Pesci X Factor Award. Uh, I think if you're talking X Factor, I think you got to give it to Sybil Shepherd. This was her first on-screen appearance. Okay. And she, she, I think she's great. Like she never acted; she was a model. And and yeah. and Bogdanovich saw her on a magazine and said, "That's JC." Yeah. And and I think she's incredible in this. And 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 the I think you do. I think this is what the X factor is for. Like, I wouldn't say she's the best performer in this movie whatsoever, but she's got the, the X factor. You're just like, who is that? You can't look away. I just can't believe how famous we are. We're all anybody talks about in this town now. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I want us to get married. What? I really do. Get married? Just as soon as you want to. Don't you want to? Oh yeah. That yeah. the whole town will be knocked for a loop if we do. They'll never forget it. Ain't you going to college? Oh, I don't care about that. I love you, and that's more important. You were so dear to fight for me. My folks won't like it, but we can run off. And they'll kill us. Oh, they won't. Kill me anyhow. They'll get over it. You're working for Daddy now, anyway. Pretty soon they'll love you just as much as I do. I would also throw in Cloris Leachman as mm-hmm. well. Why I say Gloria Leachman is because Leachman at that point was like she was, she was like on mostly TV shows at that point. Mm-hmm. Like she wasn't a a big film actor, and she's someone who has has been remembered as a comedian for the most part. Um, Very still, yeah, I agree with you. Despite having won an Academy Award for this, it's like she had only done like five movies before Last Picture Show, but she was known for being like the mother on Lassie, I believe. And she was, at this point, I think she was on the Mary Tyler Moore show. Uh, the Gene Hackman MVP award. I, I think you got to give it to Bogdanovich in this, man. I don't disagree. Co-writer, director. Sounds like he did a, yeah, I, I was, was about to say, sounds like he did a lot of producing work on making this happen. Um, I, I agree, especially for your, your kind of like breakout. It's supposed to be your, your kind of big, uh, like Targets is a Corman movie, so it's your first feature, but it's not like your first feature like mm-hmm. but that's like your college thesis film and last picture shows your first like directorial debut in a mm-hmm. way like this yeah. is his first movie uh i agree with bogdanovich um you could argue larry mcmurtry as well if you wanted to just in terms of the co-writer i do have to i do have to throw this out there and i've, I've told you this before this is i think one of the best 
like book to screen adaptations just in soul when you read the book when i was reading the book for the first time i was just i i was constantly like looking at where i was at in the book and just going how did they turn this into a two-hour movie because everything i would highly recommend anyone who is interested in adapting a book into a film to read this and watch this because everything that is important made it in and everything that is left out is either really well really well covered visually like there's a lot of times when in the book you're getting everyone's thoughts of what's happening and when you go and when you read that and you go back and watch the movie it's you know several pages congested to a shot in the movie that just sum it up perfectly and and it's real mcmurtry and bogdanovich both are incredible at picking out like what needs to be in and what what can just be alluded to and uh it's it's an incredible adaptation i think final questions the big one for you if this was remade today who do you cast i will say mainly focus on the adult role so i feel like you can try for the teens but because if you want to cast unknowns the only team that popped out to me and we mentioned her last or a few times ago i kind of would be interested to see she might be a little too old now florence Pugh is jc hmm yeah that's the one that popped out to me yeah that that would i definitely think she could do well with i that. don't know the other teen roles but sam the lion who do you huh oh man i didn't, I didn't think you were gonna make usually i try and, <laughs> and prepare for these i didn't think you were gonna um oh no i was I'm, this make is, this me is recast a... this movie <laughs> Like, would you? Here, I was gonna throw this one out there just for fun. Do you do Jeff Bridges? Honestly, I, I think that might be a little too like tongue in cheek, but I, I think he'd be great. I think he would be great at this now. Okay. Uh, okay. I was I was kind of thinking Tommy Lee Jones, um, which they've both yeah. played like Texas cops. Yeah, and, I like and that stuff now. But um, oh man, you gotta have that like ruggedness. I think you do need to have the, you know the Jeff Bridges might be a little too meta, but you do need that like meta. It needs to be a cowboy. I mean, that's what they did yeah, with Ben Johnson. That's the thing yeah um maybe robert duvall yeah duvall yeah a little too old at this point maybe yeah but that's not a bad that's not a bad choice man if if sam shepherd was still alive yeah sam shepherd would be perfect sam shepherd would be perfect for this if if he was still alive yeah i would would also even throw out redford but he's retired now yep damn r.i.p i mean (laughs) r.i.p for robert redford's career damn i mean technically you know, you got you got to go out with the biggest film ever made. Am I right? <laughs> it's up to tell everyone that you're going out with uh, Old Man and the Gun and then secretly show up. And... Show up in Avengers Endgame. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I'm going to say Jeff Bridges just for fun. You can say Tom Lee Jones if you'd like. Mm-hmm. Um, Ruth Popper. Oh, man, this is so tough. I I should have done my homework. <laughs> I I had one idea for, for, for Ruth Popper. Uh-huh. Kristen Wiig. Huh. Yeah. I was thinking of a, of a, a comedian type person who could possibly play that role. And for some reason, I think Kristen Wiig might be a good choice for that. Yeah, I could see that for sure. I, I, I really like that. I can't prep for these times. Yeah. <laughs> I do. I've got one. I've got one. I know. Not not okay. for Ruth Popper, but I've got one locked away for when you okay. when you bring it to me. Okay. Uh, Lois. Lois Farrow. Amy Adams. I like that. I like that a lot, actually. Okay, I'll stick with that. I like the Amy Adams for that. Okay, Genevieve, the waitress. Oh. Ah, okay. <laughs> I love I love Eileen Brennan in this. I love Eileen Brennan. Period. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. Between what, when I was a kid, Clue, The Sting, and uh, the the New Adventures of Pippi Longstocking. Longstocking. Those are, yep, those are yep. three major films yep. from my childhood. She's she's the she run the orphanage. Is what it is. Yeah, she kept trying to yeah. get Pippi yep. to come to come yeah. to the orphanage with them. I also really loved that movie. <laughs> yeah, Genevieve's a tough one. I love Genevieve, and they they they. That's another thing that they like. They hit in the in the script. There's so much time spent in the movie about what a crush Sonny has on Genevieve. And and they just have this one moment where he's like sitting eating a burger and they show like a POV shot where he's like yeah. watching her while she cooks and you just you get it. You get it. And you don't you don't need all that internal dialogue. They just boom, they hit it. And so she's an inter- she's like a mother figure to them, but also like the, everyone's in love with her. I'm going to throw out one. What about Julianne Moore? Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I like that. She's good. She's good in that in that type of role. I thought Patricia Clarkson is another one I thought to go with the, the I sharp thought, I objects. I got a little bit younger than that. I mean, she's yeah, that's, supposed that's to be, what I was thinking too. She's supposed to be the same age as Lois. They were friends growing up. Maybe Julianne Moore. Maybe that. Maybe maybe a little bit younger. What about Maggie Gyllenhaal? Oh yeah, I think she'd be great. I think I think Maggie Gyllenhaal would be interesting in that role. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because she's got to have that kind of like she's definitely got to be like more approachable than lois um, yeah and and just kind of like she's she's kind of a weariness to her i think i, I like maggie gyllenhaal in that yeah maggie gyllenhaal amy adams kristen wig jeff bridges or tommy lee jones one more one more one more um genevieve marissa tomei i like marissa tomei too that's not a bad one either and then and then sam she- and then we bring sam Shepard bring back. sam Shepard back to play sam the lion yep what about Richard Gere? I like, I know what, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with Richard Gere in that role. I just thought Sam Shepard, uh, Days of Heaven, and then just Richard Gere came in. I would, I would like Richard Gere because he also plays uh, Billy the Kid in the I'm Not There movie with, with the Todd Haynes did, the Bob, Bob mm-hmm. Dylan thing. He plays like the older, like, cowboy. Like he's playing mm-hmm. Billy, the, like he's an old Billy the Kid. I, I like the, I'll, let's go Richard Gere. Sam the Lion, Richard Gere. Ruth Popper, Kristen Wiig, Louis Fair, or uh, Lois Farrow as uh, uh, as Amy Adams, Genevieve as Maggie Gyllenhaal or Marissa Tomei. Let's make it. And then and then Florence Pugh as JC. Yeah. Like I think I think we're good. Perfect. Who directs it? David Gordon Green. Is that the best one to go with? Ooh, I do like. That. Haven't we already done that? And haven't we already done him as one of our? Let's give it to Jeff Nichols. Okay, I'll stick with Jeff Nichols. I like that. I like that. So who's Michael Shannon? That's the thing. Who do you put Michael Shannon as? Is he Abilene? Oh yeah, yeah. Michael Shannon is Abilene. Let's do that. I like oh, that. Oh yeah, I like that. That's that's talk about some Oscars again, Shea, right Shea, there. Shea Wiggum is the coach. Oh man, this you're you're making a great movie. We're making a great movie here, Thomas. <laughs> uh, does this film fit with any other genre? I mean, I think I mean, it's come, a coming, coming of age. age. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a coming of age movie. Um, for sure, it's it's definitely not the most hopeful coming of age <laughs> film. No, it's very bleak uh yeah and i i think that i think there is kind of this like weird and you know maybe we could do this at some other time there is like a small town genre yeah there is like, I like agree. where you get to know everyone in the town and, and it's kind of like an ensemble piece and i think this is this is probably the the, the best one of of them um, yeah I, I would love to do an episode if we could actually fi- actually delve into the small town genre because it's not as well defined if that mm-hmm. makes sense and if you look up just like small town movies it feels like they're kind of just like every like it's very everywhere there's no like consistent list of anything yeah and i think it's i think it's a genre that's usually defined by like outsiders come where, where you follow yeah. an outsider into a town and it's rarely one where you're just in this town that everyone is in and no one is an outsider i think it's very yeah. rare 
within that. But um, yeah, it's like it's like there's too many movies like The Proposal, where Sandra Bullock's coming to a small town in Alaska. Mm-hmm. Or you know, uh, Doc Hollywood is like the one. Yeah, it's, it's the like, big one. Cars. Yeah. I mean, there's so many movies after that that one. Um, as as I was uh, I was told when I watched uh, the movie Local Heroes, like this was before Doc Hollywood, so so even you can trace that all back to to Local <laughs> Hero, Local which Hero. is a fantastic movie. I love that movie. Yeah, but then um, yeah, but but then something like some of the David Gordon Green films, like All the Real Girls or uh, Snow Angels, these are kind of these movies that all focus on these characters that live within the town, and it takes place within the town. We'll work on that. We'll pick a month for small town movies. And see what we can do with it. I mean, we'll just spend one day on a, on har- uh, on Lifetime Christmas movies for, for <laughs> one of those because that's that's all it's about. Small towns, um, yeah. So small town coming of age. We're gonna be talking about coming of age movies in the n- near future in one of our upcoming months. But yeah, so I think that's our anything else you want to say about the last picture show. Please watch it, y'all. It's incredible. It's 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 been one of my favorites that we've done in these kind of like single movie episodes. And I know it's one of Thomas's favorites. He told me to watch it for the first time, I think, three years ago, three or four mm-hmm. years ago. And this is my first time revisiting it, and I loved it even more this time. When, when we sat down to watch it, I told my girlfriend that the first time I had seen it was in my first film class when I was in high school. And we started watching it, and we were like 20, 30 minutes into it. And they, she goes, they showed this to you in high school? I was like, well... I was in high school. I was taking a film class at the local tech college. So <laughs> it was technically a college course. So the, the subject matter was, was yeah, okay. there's, there's a not, scene. <laughs> it was not shown to me in high school. Uh, like the, like the scene when they, when they're making out in the car and she's just like, it's such, this is a weird thing to bring up at the very end. It's like, it's the scene where it's like, she just takes off her bra. Like, okay, let's get to doing this. Mm-hmm. Like, it's such a, like a, a monotonous, like, yeah, Oh, and that's that's so that's so the 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 uh, it's it's very early on and it really establishes kind of the quirks of this town as she's like all right we drive out we park at the lake i take my top off and then he tries to put his hand up her skirt and she says that's how you get pregnant like there, there's <laughs> these there's these like rules that everyone's agreed to in the town and, and there's stuff that's outside of the norm but like it, it's yeah it's 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 got this like uh these these things that are like these rules that are established in this town and um and i i I think that scene drops you in really well and he's trying to break the rules in that first scene with her and he breaks up with her but that's kind of the that sets the dice that sets the tone for the rest of the film where everyone's kind of i mean that is the moment where sonny like breaks out of he's in the loop and that's the moment that he breaks out out of of the loop yeah Yeah. like i want i want to i want something more Mm. but yeah go watch it it's on criterion channel or crackle is streaming it apparently so go watch it if you can uh make sure you stay tuned for next week's episode we're gonna be delving into hell or high water the modern example of the texas genre so get ready for that um make sure you subscribe to us on on app podcast and listen to us on spotify give us a rating give us a review like us on facebook instagram or twitter and follow our medium because we're putting out more articles usually week by week right now and some texas themed articles as well thomas as always thank you so much absolutely man coming on to talk about one of your favorite films of all time guys thank you so much for listening we hope you listen to more episodes soon bye